leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Everyone, hey, security peeps. I'm here today with a phenomenal special guest, Chris Cochran, who is, amongst many things, the host of the podcast, Sec DevOps. Right? Got it right? Okay, I was looking sure it. I got that right. Awesome. So Chris is, uh, we've been trying to get Chris on the show for ages. Um, he is, he has so much to offer. He is, um, you know, to, to offer us in terms of breaking into security. So Chris, I want to start out by asking you, how did you even get into the security field? I know you have a military background and yep. you transitioned in that way. So talk to us about how you even became aware of security, what made you want to get into this crazy field and you right. know, walk us to where you are today. Yeah. So uh, my journey really started uh, back in high school. Uh, there was a program where uh, students could get their CCNA and, and do all this crazy good stuff. But I missed the cutoff because I had transferred schools in the middle of a year. And so I, that wasn't even an option for me. And so a few of my friends, they were in the program and I was like, how do I get into this computer thing? And they were like, uh, why don't you get a book? And so I took my school clothes money. I was supposed to get like school clothes. And I went and got an A plus uh, book uh, for CompTIA. And my mom was mad. She, she couldn't believe that I spent all my school money on a, on a book. And so uh, I, I like actually read it almost like a novel. I was just reading about components and, and processors and, and, you know, monitors and all this uh, technical stuff. And I was like really interested. And so I would actually like have questions about different components and I would bring them up to my friends that are like, wow, you're really, you're really into this. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really serious. Um, I was going to join the Marine Corps as uh, a scout sniper, but uh, as luck would have it, or maybe a, a little bit of uh, talent, uh, I did pretty well in the ASVAB. And so I was able to actually pick my job. Uh, and I said, you know, this intelligence sounds cool. You know, I, I, I think about, you know, spy stuff, maybe a little bit of that. And uh, when I finally got into the field, uh, luckily there was uh, a component of intelligence called digital networks intelligence. And uh, I helped uh, develop that uh, for my unit in the Marine Corps and uh, just kind of went from there. So went from really intel heavy uh, after my time at the Marine Corps, I was a contractor at United States Cyber Command. It was called All Source Analysis, but it was basically uh, threat intelligence. Mm -hmm. And uh, after about five years of doing that, uh, we had lost the contract and I decided I was going to take a bet on myself. And I started my own firm. It was just a few of us, nothing, nothing too big. But that was my first uh, exposure to uh, commercial threat intelligence and, and mm -hmm. cybersecurity. And from there, I got uh, more and more uh, technical in the support that I was given to organizations. And then ultimately, uh, now I lead uh, threat intelligence at Netflix. So 
Uh, it's been a, a crazy journey, a lot of pivots along the way, but it, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. That is awesome. What a cool way to break in. And I know your mom is, is kicking herself about being so mad at you back then for spending, <laughs> for spending your clothes money on this, uh, on a security put. No, you said an yeah. A plus book. It was a plus. Yeah. Let, let her That's tell so it. Uh, she, she'll tell everybody. She told me to do that. Right. But yeah. Right. I, I'll do. He should be doing that stuff. Yeah. Now that you're famous, it'll probably make you a ton of money. <laughs> 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 so, so that's really cool. I mean, especially when I hear about people who have come through a high school or learned in high school. And it's interesting that you read the book like a novel. So you were really fascinated by that stuff. Yeah, I was fascinated, fascinated by technology in, in general. Uh, when I was really young, uh, I watched uh, Terminator like a, a few other you know, you know, kids of my age group did. And uh, I wanted to build robots. I was just fascinated with technology and all the, the different things that came along with it. And uh, but unfortunately, when I went to college uh, first, the only thing they had was computer science. And mm -hmm. I was like, I, I really don't want to do coding. What I want to do is I want to connect networks. I want to build infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, I never even got a chance to do that, but I found a roundabout way to getting into the field. Yeah. Yeah. You see that passion. And, and I'm, I'm happy that we're now learning about people like you and what, what you were like as a child and what you were interested in so that we can see, you know, we can point that out or see that now in the children today and mm -hmm. say, okay, like, this person could be kind of like how we look at these see children and you can see their talents coming up and we can say, oh, we should put them in the direction of this um, versus something else. Like you said, you don't want to do, you didn't want to do coding. That was right. probably one of the only options a few years ago, whereas now it it's a little bit more um, diverse in terms of options. So that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. So in, in regards to, what you look for in talent today. You lead a group now, you're bringing in people. I don't know if they all need to have um, multiple years of experience, but since this is breaking into cybersecurity, we want right. to be able to help folks understand what someone like you would be looking for when you are looking to bring talent in. So what are those types of things that you look for to bring onto your team? Right, so the, the first thing that I, I really look for is diversity and diversity in all ways. Um, but uh, particular to the job role is diversity of background. So there was uh, a, a person that is actually a good friend of mine uh, named uh, Napoleon Bing. He has a, a background in uh, plant science. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we were interviewing him, I, I immediately was like, we got to have this guy because uh, he's into cybersecurity, but he's bringing challenges from his background from other things that, you know, could be applied to cybersecurity in ways I, I couldn't even imagine. And so I look for passion, uh, you know, unique interests, like, you know, things like biology and astrophysics and, you know, just other passions uh, around, um, you know, intellectual topics. Uh, I think that brings uh, a different flair. And when you get into these discussions and debates and you're trying to problem solve with your team, uh, they can bring insights that, you know, maybe the rest of the team didn't have. Uh, so uh, at Netflix, uh, we usually hire more senior folks. Um, but uh, as far as uh, getting into the cybersecurity space, I, I'd say passion is, is number one. And one thing I tell people all the time is uh, if you're looking to get into it and you don't have a job that's doing cybersecurity, do your own project, right? Because right? we have 
uh, things like GitHub, where you can actually build cybersecurity uh, software and put it out and people can look at it and help you build it. And it can show that you have the talent to do some of the stuff that we do, uh, or even just do like your a project at home. You don't even have to put it out for the world. Uh, but if you build your own uh, network and you build a sim and you have the uh, your logs going in there and you're doing some rudimentary uh, analysis of some sort, just being able to explain those steps and, and the, the thought process behind it uh, would be uh, beneficial to, to some organizations that are looking for a more junior uh, analyst or security practitioner. Yeah, I mean, you echo what we say all the time. Um, I'm a huge believer Actually, when I when I was working with with uh, some of the career transition people as well as early career, just new new completely new to the field, my very first thing is to create projects for yourself. And they right. they say to me, well, "What do you, what do you mean?" I'm like, "Self directed projects. Yep. Go stick that on a resume. Create a section that says cyber security projects. Go find a project. <laughs> yep. Put it on there." Um, and I echo what you say. I mean, we had Alan Alfred on yesterday and he said the exact same thing, like, you know, creating those projects, having them on the resume, being able to talk through a process, not only just book knowledge and some of it you're going to get from, you know, studying for the different exams, the certifications, you'll get it from going to a place like you said, GitHub or Cyberary or, you know, some of these other free places where you can do it and just doing your own home, um, your home networking or any other little projects that you have. Um, so really, really great advice to give to people trying to break in. Right. Um, what made you start your podcast? So uh, I've always wanted to sort of get information out to the world because I, I feel like I spent a lot of time really focusing on my, my trade craft and focusing on myself and getting better. And I feel like I got to a point where I could start helping other people sort of get into the space and sort of just get better if they are already in there. And uh, I moved out to California uh, earlier this year. And my uh, my buddy, uh, Ronald Eddings, uh, the guy I do the podcast with, he let me stay at his house. And I came to the house and he had a whole podcast set up. And I was like, this is like a match made in heaven. <laughs> and so you can actually uh, go back uh, and look at our very first episode. And it was just kind of like off the cuff. He was like, hey, you know, I have you know all this set up. He was doing more technical videos and, and technical mm -hmm. walkthroughs. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I was like, let's just have a conversation and like, like really start the podcast. And it, it's been an amazing ride, like just watching like episode one and going all the way through where we are today. And the guests that we're having on and the guests we continue to bring on, it's been a whirlwind. But um, we like to focus uh, not only on the, the technology side, but really on the, the people that are behind the operations, behind the tech, behind the products. And we figure out, you know, what makes them good at what they do outside of cybersecurity, right? So some people, mm -hmm. they're really into fitness. Some people are really into mindfulness. Some people really focus on soft skills like vulnerability and listening and, and, and things like that. And so we like to highlight that stuff so that cybersecurity practitioners uh, can learn from these little bite-sized segments of ways they can get better. Uh, we have one episode where we literally talk about books for about an hour 
you know, different books that, you know, give us different inspirations and different ways of looking at problems. And uh, I, I, that is one of my favorite things to do. I, I like having conversations with people. I do talks, uh, but I really like the, the back and forth of, of a podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I listen to a couple of your podcasts and I just love the conversation. Like you, you can tell that you guys are having fun. You know, right. like it is one of those, it's one of those podcasts where you just have a good time. And we try to do the same thing. You know, we don't want it to just be us throwing questions out and you answer right. it. You know, we yeah. want it to be a conversation and we're having fun and we're talking about breaking into the industry. We know it's a frustration amongst a bunch of people, but we also wanted to share, um, you know, share different perspectives. Absolutely. And it is fun looking back to see because we are at a year as well. Okay. Um, that's what we're about, like a little over a year. We, have, we haven't had every week. We'll probably have like 30 something episodes. I think we're at 37 or so episodes. Nice. So it hasn't been every single week, but it's been in total like a year. You're and right. It's fun looking back to see some of the first ones yeah. and where we are now. And the, pow- the, the, the different types of folks that are coming on, like you, who initially when we started, we only wanted people that had under five years experience. And that was because, or that is because we want to make it relevant. We really Mm -hmm. want it peer, we want it to be peer to peer. Like, tell us what you're doing today. Because what tends to happen, especially with folks that you're in the hiring manager space. So you're a little bit different in CISOs and stuff. People who are constantly seeing people interviewing people, hiring people all the time bring a different perspective than someone who's just been in the industry a long time and may be an individual contributor and may not be necessarily hiring folks. Right. And what we learned is that these people, are, the younger people, or when I say younger people, I say early career talent, meaning people who are either transitioning in new or are brand new to the industry, mm-hmm. they were getting this um, these mixed messages and I think outdated messages about how to break it. Right. So people who had done it, you know, okay, go to the military for five years. Right. Start to help us for five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so many different ways now. Yeah. So they're giving them their story, which I get it. You know, 20 years ago, yeah, you were in the help desk and you moved into this admin and then you became this and that and that. Somebody pulled you over. So, yes, that makes sense. But today, it does not have to be like that. You don't need 10 years to break in or else right. you have this never-ending millions of, you know, cybersecurity talent shortage for the next right. however long, right? I feel like it's getting worse and worse every time they do that estimate. <laughs> it was like 2025 at one point, like 3.5 million. Now it's like 2021. It's like, oh, my gosh. Right. It just never ends. So how are we going to bring these people into the field if they got to go be on a help desk for 10 years, you know? Right. So, we wanted to bring in folks that are either a like you doing hiring today. So what are you know what are the people that you see that have these types of backgrounds? Like the person you just described, your buddy that that came in and has this different background, or um, people who are actually being hired. So folks that have been hired within the past six months, also you know, or obviously within the past five years. So that's kind of like where we are with this one. So I'm always curious right. as to why you would start yours too. Yeah, no, absolutely. What was your your personal inspiration? Would would you say that uh, you just wanted to get information now? Do you want to give people a platform? Like, what, what was your like personal yeah. inspiration? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Chris and I, we both 
it's it's funny. We talk about this all the time. So we were both on LinkedIn. I, I think mm-hmm. I put up a post and said, what do people want to learn about? And people, everyone started kind of like giving me information um, as to what they wanted to hear about. And so just as a whole. And what I, what Chris Folon and I realized that we would keep getting, we were simultaneously getting folks that were breaking into, trying to break into the industry, struggling, and then asking me, they would be like, can you be my mentor? What can, you know, can you help me? And I, mm. I, I'm a recruiter. I was like, I can't <laughs> Like, who, you don't right. want me to be your mentor. You need somebody that's actually doing what you want to do. You know, I can right. help you in terms of a recruiting perspective, but being a mentor to you, like, that's not really my space. Secondly, I was getting bombarded. So daily, I would get you know, six, seven, eight, nine, tens of these messages. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, connected with Chris and he said he was getting the same types of messages. So what I did learn from that group, I was like, what are these people telling you? Like, what's the struggle? Because quite frankly, I didn't even realize that there was such a struggle. I thought right. there's 2 million people, you know, in my, in my business, I'm dealing with people who typically do have the 15 years experience. Like it's either a director or an executive, or it's an individual contributor at the top of the heap. So, right. you know, companies bring me in to, they want that quote, purple squirrel, they want somebody with experience, whatever. I don't really interact with entry-level talent like that. Right. So I was actually quite shocked because again, you're getting these numbers, 3.5 million open positions, and yep. then you have all these people with cybersecurity masters and all these different degrees and certifications, and you're like, I can't get in. So. I was actually quite shocked. And so I connected with Chris. He said that he was getting the same thing. And so I said to him, what's frustrating me is that these people are getting poor advice or outdated advice. So let's help them by interviewing folks. Let's, I I can't tell them how to break in because I'm not really even working with entry level. Let's get the people who are breaking in now to help with the folks who are trying to break in. So like our, our very first guest, he had broken in, um, Charles Karanja. I think he had broken in in like like six months before. So he came on and he talked about breaking into the industry and how he applied two hundred times and he had all these different interviews. And so what we started to learn more and more is that people um, resonated with the fact that they too were applying and they weren't getting any callbacks, but there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And so we started getting more and more people on that set up. One young lady, I can't remember her name. She talked about how she went on 30 something interviews. And when she got to like the 35th interview, she was as cool as a cucumber because she mm-hmm. had interviewed so much, you know? Yeah. So everyone was talking about their experiences and it really helped to, I think, put people at ease. Um, let them know like you're not alone. You're not the only person out there submitting 100 resumes. You're not the only person out there interviewing like crazy. And this is a real issue. Like this is a challenge. Like why do we have 2 million open positions and all these people who are credentials, who have certificates, who have the baseline experience, why can't they break in? It's ridiculous. Right, yeah. So it solved my own problem (laughs) by having all these people come. And then, you know, it's, it's really to help the industry and raise awareness to the, the leaders at the top. Like you guys got to do better by helping these people break in. Like they're Absolutely. trying, they're going out there, they're doing what they're being told is the thing to do. Go get a degree, get certifications, you know, and they're doing those things. It's like, well, 
where's the gap? Right. So that's where we are. And the reason why we're bringing in folks like you is because we've had a, a number of people who have um, been the peer to peer. So now we want to hear from the leaders. We want to hear from right. hiring managers. Like, what are you mm -hmm. looking for? What do you see out there? What stands out to you? And by you saying diversity, we talk about diversity of thought all the time. Right. Um, you know, bringing in folks with different backgrounds. So everyone doesn't have to have a developer background or an engineering right. background or, you know, these types of backgrounds because people feel like that too. They feel like they, have, you know, oh, well, I need this or I need that. Or, I need I need to have a top secret clearance, you know, all right. these various things that they don't yep. necessarily need. So. That's, that's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, I'm still super passionate about this. I want hey. all of you gainfully employed friends yep. so that when I need a loan, I can come to me and borrow some. <laughs> so um, you talked about somebody else um, chimed in actually saying, thanks for doing this. It's nice to hear from other people who share my pain. We're excelling in the same field. It's nice to see how everyone ends up here. I was an art major, but she's been networking for 23 years since the beginning of networking. So mm -hmm. somebody that just chimed in on oh, okay. wow. our chat. Very yeah. cool. Lara. Thank you, Lara. Um, so yes. So back to your team. I know you said right now you have more senior level people mm -hmm. um, that you tend to hire. And then there are people who are um, who are the more entry level folks and the kinds of projects and things that they should put on their web on their um, on their resumes. Other than putting things on the resume. What other ways do you think are good ways for them to actually get out into the field um, and, and meet more people like you? Because we know that, you know, words on paper sometimes might not even get to somebody like you, a hiring manager. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll get to that uh, question in a second, but I actually wanted to highlight something really quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm actually... Uh, senior, but I'm an IC at Netflix. Uh, I went from associate director level uh, with another company. And when they brought me over, they want me to build the program. And so I, I have like zero folks right now. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm hoping that'll change uh, for this next year coming up and I'll be able to hire some folks. But mm -hmm. uh, one thing I want to sort of echo to everybody is that sometimes it might look like a, a step down. Like if you're leading like six people and you go to being an individual contributor, but it not might not always be that way. You might be looking for an experience that can actually take you to the next level because I've built threat intelligence programs before, but I've never been able to really customize a threat intelligence program like I have uh, at my current job. Uh, so I just wanted to let people know uh, about that in particular. But one of the best things that I love about this community is uh, all of the meetups and all of the conferences that there are out there. Now, some of these conferences are, are expensive, uh, but they do have scholarships for people that are looking to get out to all of these good places. Um, uh, companies even uh, will sponsor people to go to some of these uh, uh, conferences and really look for, for meetups. And it, it, if there is no meetup in your area, you can actually start one. Uh, just go to meetup.com and, and say, looking for people interested in cybersecurity or tinkering with technology, something interesting just to get people kind of, uh, what's this all about? And you start to build your own community because sometimes you there are going to be those people that just can't get to any of those places. Maybe they've tried to get some of these scholarships and they haven't been able to win any. So start, start your own little community and start a, a, a group that can help hold you accountable to get better uh, in your craft and, and in cybersecurity. 
Oh, that's such a good point. Um, and I want to let people know that I see Santa individual contributor with what yep. you're talking about. Yep, Not yep, intelligence yep. community, which right, is correct. I see. So yeah. <laughs> so Chris is an individual contributor right now, but has had a team before. So, you know, talking from both different perspectives. Yep. Um additionally, you brought up the fact about getting out there and into the world, into the, you know, meeting people face to face. So the meetups and the um the 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 uh cybersecurity groups that are less, I guess, cheap, more inexpensive. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, just the meetups and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And but the, there's one that I, sh- I have to mention because it's been so pivotal in uh, my life, and I know it's been for years. Uh, is uh, the social media, like things like LinkedIn. LinkedIn has been a complete uh, game changer in my career. Uh, I I would not, I probably would not be sitting here right now talking to you if it wasn't for LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, really like taking the time to polish your profile and reach out to people, connect to people, uh, you know, ask questions in the comments, like really just like, you know, be a little vulnerable. It, you don't have to always look like you have it always together. I, I pride myself on being able to ask good questions because I know I don't know everything. And so yeah. by asking good questions, you're not only helping yourself, you're helping other people that might have the same question. And then when you see the people that are answering these questions, they're like, wow, this person's answering or asking really good questions. Um, maybe I need to get to know them. Maybe I can mentor them, you know, things like that. So, uh, oh, you know, the, you can do the stuff in person, but also the stuff in social media as well. Yeah, such a valid point. I have three little kids and the, the, the running joke Chris Falon and I talk about is if anything's going to go wrong, technically, it's going to happen in my house. Like, some days they're sick. There's, there's been there's been a, a podcast where my my son is running across the back in Pikachu outfits. Right. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. Right. But I say that to say, with I mean, my my schedule is as crazy as anybody's is going to get. Because mine are yep. two, five, and eight. It's nuts right. when I'm in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but being online, being here with you, you know, it's just like a flip of the computer. Like it's so, yeah. it's such an opportunity. And I think that people just don't understand how pivotal it is. Like how, how we wouldn't have had this opportunity 10 years ago. You know, how right. we didn't have it 10 years ago. We, Alan, mm-hmm. Alan, Alan Alfred, we were talking and he said, you know, he's been in the industry 20 something years and he's another person jumped on LinkedIn last year. So there's so much opportunity for folks to get into social media and to jump on um, platforms like this, like LinkedIn and then completely transform where they were or where they are uh, based on those conversations, getting conversational, jumping in, like you said, asking questions, answering questions. Right. And, 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 and yes, be vulnerable. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago too on a podcast that we want, we realize that you're nervous you know, right. when you're coming on and you don't know everything. You're not supposed to know everything. You're, exactly. new. <laughs> you're not supposed to know everything. You're not supposed to know. None of us know everything. Um, but you're bringing in such a perspective. Like everyone has a different perspective. You talked about your buddy who has the, the background that he has in biological. What was it? Biological. Uh, plant science. Plant science. Like yeah. he's just bringing in that perspective. Right. And you brought your perspective when you broke in, you're coming from, you know, the military, you brought in your different perspective. I bring a perspective in from the HR side. And when I was in security, you know, I brought, I always have, it's just innate. So I have the HR hat on and I'm, and as you know, we're talking about different things in my team 
I was saying to the, the guys, like, well, mostly guys <laughs> and a few ladies, hey, have you thought about this? Or what about the insider threat? Like I was always thinking of that human HR angle. So right. everyone, even, and I knew nothing, zero. So everyone's coming in at some point from scratch. So I, I love the way you said don't, to be vulnerable because I think that's such a struggle for people it breaking is. in. Stop. You know, it is, it is. They really, really feel like they don't have anything to offer and they do. The perspective is so key. Right. Coming in, bringing in that fresh perspective. Absolutely. Such a key thing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the purple team, tell okay. us more. So <laughs> a lot of, we get questions like, you know, there's red team, blue team. When, 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 come, when starting a purple team, tell mm -hmm. us how, how does that work? Because I think some people are still kind of confused as to, I think we pretty right. much know, you know, and, and you can even define even more like red, blue, and where purple fits in. Yeah, so uh, this year I started a Purple Team uh, initiative at, at Netflix, and uh, I really didn't get wrapped around the axle of the, the definition. Uh, mm -hmm. And I simply put it as the combination of the red side, which is, uh, in our case, adversarial emulation or engineering, and the blue side, which is uh, detection engineering and threat hunting. And just having those teams work together to close those uh, security gaps in your security posture. Um, so that's all it is. It, it's really like bringing all those together. And from my perspective in intelligence, it's setting the context for what are the threats that we are concerned about as a company? What are the threats to our industry? What What is the context of what we are operating in the the this adversarial environment, right? And I think that it also brings in, I, I just did a keynote uh, for SANS uh, last week, uh, and we talked about uh, the Purple Team uh, program. It's a reservist program, so actually people have full-time jobs, and then they actually volunteer to sort of like help with the Purple Team stuff. But the biggest takeaway for me was that you can actually use play, play just like, you know, when you were a kid, you know, you run around having a good time, uh, you know, playing make-believe and all this stuff, there's actually a developmental reason for play. And I think that as adults, we feel like, oh, we're not allowed to have play. We're, we're adults. But if you reincorporate play into your your program, you can actually get better uh, as, as individuals. You get better as a team because you're exercising muscles that uh, you might not you might not be getting attacked by APTs on a regular basis, but you can simulate having uh, these attacks happen and you're then you're prepared. So when it really happens for real, you've you've been there before and you get into this flow state where you can actually help, you know, bring this incident to resolution. That's pretty cool. I actually thought it's funny. I, I've just gotten educated because I thought that you would, I, I wondered if the red the red team flipped over to the blue and the blue flipped over to the red as you're right. building this. But now it's a, I didn't even know it was like a volunteer, a volunteer team. So anyone with any kind of skill could get on or they do they have? Yeah, to? no. So, yeah, we we wanted to bring on anybody that wanted to participate. Uh, we obviously have senior folks that have done red teaming before mm -hmm. and people are going to some people will get wrapped around Axel because. Uh, yes, it's not full spectrum uh, red teaming. Uh, we took a really specific part of the kill chain and we, we focused on what do we have to uh, sort of uh, mitigate any threats uh, to this particular component. And 
uh, yeah, it's it's anybody that's interested. And so we would pair up uh, people that were you know just interested, maybe zero uh, experience in cybersecurity. Uh, they're a developer or engineer, but they really want to you know learn more about red teaming. And so we paired them with our senior red teamers. Some people were. Uh, interested in intelligence, but maybe they've never even done intelligence or didn't even really know what it was. It just sounded interesting. And so then they would work with me to sort of see what I do. And, and, and I would give them tasks for things that they could do on a lower level, but it's still experience. It's still training them to do something above and beyond what they're currently doing. Yeah. I think that everyone should take note, especially leadership, your peers, um, with the prostrating. Because right. you're currently, by doing this and having people volunteer, shows a couple different things. One, that you're you're leading this cross-training effort. So like you said, people that have experience in one thing and want to get better in another, you're learning, they're learning to do this. Secondly, you know automatically that anyone that raises their hand to volunteer is super passionate and B, wants to get better and will likely be you know that next person that you can promote or what have you in right. you know, where you are today. If there's an opportunity or they're going to be, you know, that's even a bigger resume builder for them going forward into, yep, you know, another absolutely. organization. So um, look, looking at it from a career perspective, that's such, that's a huge accomplishment for both of you. And, and so much, um, you both get so much out of it. You know, you're mm-hmm. getting to develop them and they are developing themselves. Yep. So great one. So we're at the half an hour mark. We usually, Chris is usually the one to ask this fabulous question at the end, which uh-huh. is always, it's just always, if you have one piece of sage advice to give to people trying to break in, what would it be? It would be once you get that first role and you're going to get this thing that we call imposter syndrome, always remember that you were brought there for a reason. That company or those people saw something in you that they needed in their security program or their company, and you deserve to be there. And to always remember that. Whenever it gets tough and you feel like you're not the smartest person in the room, remember that there's always something in you that you can contribute to the group. Awesome, awesome, awesome advice. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm glad we finally made this happen. And it's a little dark in California for you. I know. Well, we got a little power. Yeah, you got some power because you're powerful. <laughs> so well, we will uh, conclude. And everyone, I will see you next time on Breaking Into Cybersecurity. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.